Welcome to the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast, part of the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast network, where we put the power of dynamic fitness back in your hands one mental rep at a time. Effective thinking for potent fitness. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast. We are on season six. Um, I'm here, Jennifer Schwartz, with my co-host, Angela Damolin. Hello. (laughs) Um, And this season is dedicated to technology that enhances healing, wellness, fitness, and maybe all three. This um, episode today, uh, we have another guest with us. And I'm just so keen to discuss some of the things outside of wonderful hot like supplements and nutrition, um, which is hormones and some lifestyle factors. Today we have Emily Joy Wellness, aka Emily Bruckner of Hot Healed Girl Podcast. <laughs> and welcome. Thank you. I'm excited. Uh, Yeah. And Angela's here, as I said before, um, and I'll just kind of set up the premise for my intentions. You know, I always have one intention, which is to take money out of the pharmaceutical and orthopedic doctor's pockets. So just so you all know, (laughs) Um, and, you know, side note, you know, all, you know, all things have a purpose, right? But um, more you know, importantly today, I want to really dive into, you know, how we choose supplements and think about hormones, because at the core of my personal philosophy and my health philosophy is that the body is complex, which is not complicated. It just means it's like, it's really good at like self-correcting and um, protecting itself and self-healing. And At the core of that is, I guess, like input and hormones and communication. So I think that sets us up. What do you think, Angela? Beautiful, yeah. You got to grab the microphone, girl. Yeah, beautiful. (laughs) I'm looking forward to hearing her take on all of that um, and seeing what we get to dive into today to not only, you know, take money away from big pharma, but put it back into our (laughs) listeners' pockets. And especially, you know, in their... um, in their wealth of health. So I look forward to hearing uh, everything that you're going to add to that. Yeah, I, I love that phrase, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, please introduce yourself, Emily. Sure. Well, my name is Emily Bruckner, and I am a certified health coach in transformational nutrition. I've been doing that since 2019. Um, Recently also became certified in uh, functional blood labs. And I'm not sure when this episode is going to be out, but probably by the time you hear this, I will also be MBSR certified. So just a little extra emotional component to put together there. When I went to school, it was, I spent probably like six months researching nutrition schools once I finally decided, you know, this is what I want to do. And I have always been a big proponent of applying, you know, the emotional healing with the nutritional healing. And that's what ultimately drew me to the school that I went to because they didn't just teach you nutrition. They combined nutrition with psychology of nutrition and then also, you know, with the emotional aspect of nutrition. So it was like the three parts just kind of all put together. And so, yeah, I've been doing that since I started coaching, but I think just really in the last year have really gotten into the emotional side of healing and hormones and all of that good stuff. Mm. I heard you and Courtney have a good cry on your podcast. Like, not literally, but you were talking about crying. Yeah, we were talking about crying, yes. (laughs) Um, And what is MBSR? So it's called Mind, Body, Spirit Release. Um, Mm. We just had our first class yesterday. uh, So I don't know if I can even properly explain it. We do actually have a podcast episode on it. Um, with one of the founders, Amanda, and it's actually one of our most popular episodes to date. So, you know, everybody is obviously on the same wavelength as us, you know, healing those emotions. Um, But it works, you know, kind of via the same way muscle testing does with like energy fields. And so 
it's identifying where emotions are held in your body and like what emotions they are. And so you, you identify that basically via muscle testing. And Mm. so say like, like Courtney did a mini session on me a couple weeks ago and thing, the organs that came up for me that were holding emotions were thyroid lungs. What was the other one? I think kidneys. And then it also brings up like emotions that need to be cleared as well. So I think it was like grief and um, overwhelm were two of the ones that I had. And so it, it kind of goes in layers, you know, like peeling those onion layers as far as emotions go, mm-hmm. you know, you get that one session and it brings up the most immediate things for you. <laughs> and then, you know, your so your practitioner will um, basically uses a cold laser to mm. clear the energy meridians mm. and release those emotions. And this can be done either in person or you just do it by proxy, like virtually. You know, once you clear that initial one, it's generally recommended to do more than one session, but a lot of people will notice a difference just with the first session, you know, just releasing those really heavy ones that are kind of more immediate at the moment. Um, that sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just light things like that. This is, is so yeah. fascinating to me. Um, my first question is how long, and maybe this is varied, but when an emotion gets released or, or there, it's found and then the laser is applied or the, the and I'm guessing, you know, there's a co-participation with the, the client who's like mm-hmm. willing, right? There's always yeah. that piece, but how long does that emotional release last for that one session? That's a good question. And honestly, I don't know if I have the answer to that. I really do think it it varies on the person. Like if you're continuously being exposed to something that's bringing up that emotion, then of course it's going to, you know, it's going to resurface. A lot of times from what I've heard, like I said, I haven't done a lot of experience myself with this. It's just been what I've had done on myself um, since I just started the class. But um, from what I've heard, if it's like really old traumas, you know, like not something that you're exposing yourself to right now or not something that's happening to you right now. A lot of times, like I said, there is layers to that trauma. So you'll release the initial layer and then, you know, it's, it's gone. And then, so you'll do some more sessions and there'll be different things come up connected to that. So like I said, it really, I think it just depends on the person and how many layers they have to that trauma, how they're constantly re-exposing themselves if they're, you know, like working on it in other ways. That makes total sense to me. And what certain emotions may be hiding that, you know, oh, I can access anger, but I can't quite get to that grief. It sounds like this might Mm -hmm. be one technology to unearth what's underneath. The reason I was asking in particular is because I think one of the scariest things about those heavy emotions is people don't know how long they're going to endure that you know and so it's like well if I can get like okay it's going to be 30 seconds of really (laughs) terrible like wailing and then you know there's some sense of release but I understand that you know like nobody has that Mm -hmm. exact answer Um, my real also question is how do you um, determine or distinguish between like an emotional release and like an indulgence? Because oftentimes we can get addicted to the chemicals that come along with those emotions. And, you know, I've definitely been guilty of that. In the yeah, past. it's like, um, you know, like when you're cooking and you get that like fried stuff on the, <laughs> on the pan. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This anger and grief feels familiar. It t- tastes a little delicious because I know that there's safety there. And maybe even I'm a little scared of joy or scared of what would my life look like if I if I weren't anxious. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about that kind of something very similar on our podcast a lot too, where like people don't want to heal because they're addicted to the identity of mm. like whatever their disease is. So like I use my example for like, painful periods, you know, you can get out of a lot of things when you have painful periods. You can use it Mm. as an excuse to get out of school, get out of work, stay home for the day. And if you're constantly (laughs) like thinking every single month, you're like, 
oh, my period's going to suck. Like it's going to be awful, this, that, whatever. Um, but you're like, oh, but I get to stay home from work. I don't have to like my husband or my partner will pamper me, like bring me food, all this stuff. Like you're addicted to that. And like, Mm. that's your, that's your identity. You identify as, you know, someone who has painful periods. So that was like a big mindset shift for me there. Um, and I know this is a long winded way to answer your question, but it was a big mindset shift for me when I finally was just like, you know what? No, like my periods are great. I don't have to stay in bed every month. I don't have to take off of work. I was like, I would rather be working. I would rather be making money. And I kid you not, that is, it was a combination of many things, of course, but that is when my periods definitely took a shift for the better. Wow. For sure. And so, yeah, I think it's, and that's what I like about MBSR too, is because um, like with the trauma techniques that I learned in school, you have to sit there and it's a little more like a therapy session in a way. Like you kind of, you talk through things and it is, it does get very intense. Like everyone, almost everyone cries when I do that with them. Almost everyone, you know, like brings up those big emotions and it is intense. It does work, but it is intense and it's not for everyone. Like not everyone was ready to do that. And so that's what I like about MBSR is because like I can really do it virtually with someone. And as long as, you know, like I let them know, like, Hey, like think about your happy place. Like, do you accept me like doing this to you? They don't really have to do a lot. Like it's just that energy connection and just clearing that. And they'll, a lot of people will say that they feel a release afterwards, just like feel lighter. And yes, you know, some people will tell me that, um, or obviously not me since I haven't done it yet, but other practitioners that I know have said that they will tell them that, you know, they, they do feel like they need to cry afterwards or like the next day they'll have a big cry, but it's not like it's bringing back up that trauma, bringing back up those emotions. It's more so, like I said, it's just clearing them out. Like they're, they're just releasing. Well, um, that, I mean, just, Sounds good to me. I'm, I'm like, can, how fast can I Google this? And <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, we do have an episode on it. Um, Amanda's amazing. It's okay. It's a really good episode. I actually wasn't able to be on that episode due to technical mm. difficulties that day, and so I went back and listened to it myself. And at the end, I was like, all right. You convinced me I'm signing up to do MBSR. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. it's a great episode if you want to, you know, get more details on it. Okay. Yeah. I thought I was a fan. I didn't hear that one. Damn. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, like into, uh, first of all, long answers only. That's one of my <laughs> hashtags. Um, <laughs> and I did want to circle back or just start the circle really to like the reductionist mindset and how problematic that is for for someone like a a health coach trying to work with hormone I don't know feedback issues or just hormone balance issues how do you do are you able to help people see a bigger picture when it comes to hormones instead of somebody just saying oh, this is high and this is low, um, you know. What's your way in? What's your way in, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I hormones are tricky. They definitely are because, like I tell everyone that I work with, your body shuts your hormones off first. It's the first thing Mm. it shuts off. So because it doesn't consider them necessary to your survival, you know, because we're always in a constant state of stress, And that's usually what shuts hormones off. And so your body doesn't perceive that as necessary to live. So if your hair is falling out, if your periods are awful, like those are the two things to go. Your hair is not also not necessary to survive. Um, And they are the last thing to come back. So they are tough, you know, when people come to you and they're like, hey, my progesterone's off or my estrogen's high or my periods are terrible or my periods are non-existent. And, you know, they want those immediate results. Like they want to just take this supplement and their period will come back. And 90% of the time it doesn't work like that. 
because your body will balance everything else out first. And usually there's a minimum of three things that need balancing, usually more. Um, but your body's going to balance everything else for out first before it turns those hormones back on because it needs everything else to be functioning before it will allow your hormones to function. So they are definitely tricky because like I said, everybody wants that immediate fix. Mm -hmm. They don't want Mm. to spend time working on something, but I always tell people, you know, think about how long it probably took you to get to this point. It's going to take you a long time, not as long, but it's going to take you a while to switch everything back the way it needs to be. Yeah. So I really, I don't like to throw a lot at people at one time Mm -hmm. because when we first start out, that's way too overwhelming for them. And so I like to dial it in and get very personalized on, you know, like what their specific body needs at this time. And so my initial symptom assessment form is really in depth. And so I'll take that and I'll take like the top three things that are coming up right now and we'll address that. And then we'll kind of just go from there. And then I'll also usually analyze their blood labs or we'll do a Dutch test or some type of, you know, like either urine or saliva hormone test if, you know, they want to spend the money on that or if that's something that they want to do. And then I will just, you know, like pick the top three triggers from there. But I, I really try to not throw this giant protocol at someone right off the bat. It's definitely, you know, it's like those baby steps and it's going to take you a minimum of really three months to see any type of shift in your hormones. I can definitely relate. Um, I mean, man, I'm so proud of my sleep now. So proud. Uh, and I'm just, you know, able to fall right asleep. And I say this all because when I first got into protocols and supplements and side note, the reason why I love, you know, hot healed girl and you and Courtney is because I was turned on to y'all through Cellcor, which okay. is, a, such a, you know, an amazing technology. Um, Mm -hmm. if I could, yeah. I, and I don't know how to explain, you know, their, their, their binders and all that to my clients that well. So, and as you know, I've expressed interest in having you all present to my clients and our clients, but anyways, um, the first protocol based stuff I was ever exposed to was because of estrogen dominance. Mm -hmm. Yep. And looking at that from a fat storage point lens. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this man. His name is Charles Poliquin. No. It maybe. sounds familiar, but it, okay. yeah, don't ask me what he what he does. Okay. <laughs> well, um, in the strength training world, um, he's super well known. And, you know, he was pretty advanced as far as like protocols go and helping people advance their body composition goals through body fat site testing, which would tell the practitioner about different dominances as far as like sleep and hormones go. Mm-hmm. So and I think it's a lot of people could be labeled estrogen dominant based on, you know, all the microplastics and all that stuff going on. But it was a lot of supplements. It was a lot of change. It was, you know, they didn't look too much at my, you know, um, I guess nutrition profile, but threw me on, um, you know, what was then paleo, which is probably now more keto. I don't know. (laughs) And um, a lot of uh, digestive enzymes and, and it was a lot. So, and it was overwhelming to me to learn about how alcohol was affecting everything, how things that I thought were normal were, were impacting my health so negatively. And yeah, I was so overwhelmed. I stayed with it somehow for a while and did learn a lot about stress and sleep, but it wasn't a three-month journey that's for sure (laughs) i'll tell Mm -hmm. you that much right now (laughs) yeah oh man 
yeah, the, the sleep and the estrogen dominance are two of the things that I see quite mm-hmm. overwhelmingly. And that's definitely two of the things that I dealt with for sure. The, the sleep, the insomnia is actually also why I got into cell core because I was like, I had these yeah. like lingering <laughs> symptoms and I was just basically like at my wits end and I saw somebody doing the the full moon challenge, the parasite protocol. And I immediately hopped on Dr. Google and mm-hmm. was like, <laughs> all right, I have to try this. And uh, <laughs> everything just kind of spiraled from there. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, well, yeah, we have lots of comments about all of our Dr. Google searches. I mean, I think like the thing that I hope that my podcast listeners, our podcast listeners get and gain is that having a reductionist mindset when it comes to, you know, how do I fix this one thing is it's not there's better use of our time. Um, And it's not, I can't, I obviously I can't say anything's a waste of time because we don't know outcomes or, you know, um, the butterfly effect of these things, but things are complicated. And I just really hope that through conversations like this, we start to open up to the, the, the multifactorial approach to health, fitness, wellness, Angela, do you have, what do you got? Yeah, it's it's a whole paradigm shift, you know, and I really appreciate what you said about sort of measuring how you deliver that initial information to your client who, like, we, we share that same both desire to get at the root cause and also we're up against a culture that's built in these thought processes. Oh, well, maybe I just need a new shampoo, right? Mm-hmm. Or like I'll take Advil or something like this for my period. And so it's it's a hard sell. Like, okay, it's going to be three months and guess what? <laughs> Here's the other thing. All these terrible emotions that you step down, <laughs> they're going to come up and it's going to feel initially maybe like you're getting worse. And so that's really... Um, you know, we've we've um, tried to educate and empower our clients to understand, like we were saying, these things have been going on for a long period of time. And the body's been amazing at adapting. And what you're calling a problem is the body's intelligence at work. And so oftentimes the symptoms go away in reverse order in which they appeared. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that um, if people are have been, their innocence hearts have been un incapable or unwilling to feel then they totally tune out and they can't even sense maybe some of the other real problems like maybe their heart palpitations maybe there's like maybe just bad digestion or what we would class what we would classify as challenged digestion is feels normal to them like maybe yeah. laxatives are their go-to you know like they don't know what a normal poop is like or, or something mm-hmm. like that so you know it's really an interesting challenge to find the way in like we were saying and so you know can we dangle that carrot of lush like lustrous hair you know like to get them towards the finish line so is there I guess it's just a question of readiness. How do you, do you have in your intake form or how do you evaluate someone, someone's readiness or it's just a matter of planting seeds? How do you approach that? So I do an initial like free discovery session. And I think that's where I really, you know, I do an application before that, but um, that's really how I evaluate how ready they are. And like, if we're really going to be a fit to work together, because, you know, not, not everybody's going to vibe with, how I vibe and that's, that's totally okay. Um, but yeah, I'll hop on that with them and we'll just get to know each other chat. I get a little, just like background history where they are, where they want to be. And yeah, that's just kind of, kind of how we figure out where we go from there. And I think that's to me personally, that's my favorite way because you know, it's face to face and you just get a little time to chat and get to know each other. Hello, my vibrant fitness friends. Just a small break to tell you about something so exciting, and you may have even heard it on one of our past episodes. Hydrogen, molecular hydrogen, is a powerful health enhancement tool. And the device that I'm using right now, Holy Hydrogen, the Lourdes Hydrofix, studies have shown that therapeutic benefits for cancer, diabetes, digestive, and heart issues 
Essentially, every organ and system in the body can benefit from molecular hydrogen. Visit holyhydrogen.com to see the latest technology that elevates your immune system, fights inflammation, and increases your vitality. This is not medical advice because I'm not your doctor, but if you have any health concerns, I strongly recommend that you learn more about molecular hydrogen. Get educated at holyhydrogen.com or episode two of season six on Think Fit, Be Fit and order the best hydrogen generator known to man. Use code THINKFIT100 for $100 off your order. You work a lot with the period complaints. So where do you start with that? I mean, I you know, I can't totally relate to that, but I know that there's, you know, people listening that have obviously, you know, period problems. Like how prevalent is that? Like I can't I remember think, my first question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say honestly, I think about 70% of women deal with some type of period oh, pain. Wow. And a lot of them are actually a lot more extreme than people realize. But like you said, everyone's just so indoctrinated that this is normal. This is what you're supposed to deal with every month. And this is how periods are supposed to be. Like you just, you take that Advil, you take that ibuprofen and you just kind of suck it up and deal with it. And I, I dealt with years of awful periods. I would be in bed for 12 to 24 hours, like could not move. I, there was no way I could go to work. There was no way I could go to school. Absolutely not. I see these girls that say they have painful periods and then they're like taking an ibuprofen and going to work that I could not do that. Um, Mm. even if I took an ibuprofen, it would like dull the pain, but it would not eliminate it. There were times that I would just be like laying on the bathroom floor because I was so nauseous that it would make me throw up. But then I also couldn't eat anything because that would just make the pain worse. So yeah, it was, was fun times, but Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, everybody sees that and they're like, oh, well, that's normal. Like you're, you're supposed to have period pain every month. It is not normal to have that intense of period cramps, whatever. Nausea, a hundred percent, not normal. Um, you know, a little bit of cramping here and there. Yeah. That's normal. Like your, your uterus is contracting. It's doing what it's supposed to do, but not being able to move, not being able to get out of bed, totally not Mm. normal. So thankfully, I do not have to deal with that anymore. I have reversed that. Now I just deal with, you know, light cramps every now and then. I do still a lot of times just hang out in bed the day of my period because I have a job that allows me to do that. And rest and sleep is super important the first day of your cycle because, you know, your body's expelling a lot of energy, just shedding that uterus lining. But yeah, if I had Mm. to, I could get up and go to a physical job or do what I need to do. Well, I'm glad you couldn't just mask your symptoms and you had to (laughs) sit with it and go through that because you're gifting the world lots of wisdom. Yeah. And I, I mean, everyone tells, I, I talk to so many people and they're like, yeah, I have to schedule my vacations around my period or I have to schedule, you know, like, work trips around my period or even like holidays. I'm always stressing, like, is it going to come on the holidays? Am I going to deal with it? One year, um, I had it show up on both Thanksgiving and Christmas. And that was when I had really painful periods. So I was like, I couldn't even enjoy the holidays. I couldn't even do anything with family on the holidays because I felt so miserable. And so I'm like, why, you know, why wouldn't you want to change that? Like, why, why would you not want to reverse that? So you can actually, enjoy your life and not have to stress every single month. Uh, man, I, I, okay. So I have like three follow-up questions. One, I guess, um, now that I know 70% of women are abnormally menstruating or pre-menstruating, I don't know. One, what's normal or what should be our new normal or back to old traditional normal, back to my grandma's normal. (laughs) Um, number two, I've got a hot take that I want to get off my chest about young women learning to numb themselves with birth control 
Um, it's a big can. Big, a big can of Olipop. <laughs> We're looking for a sponsor. That's a whole case. Um, that's a whole case of <laughs> um, And then number three, oh man, what's in your tool shed, in your she tool shed, for maintaining the reversal of this? So... Which one do you want to tackle first? <laughs> I guess we'll just start with the first one. Okay. Um, yeah, so a, a normal period, it's going to range anywhere from three to seven days. It's going to obviously vary on every woman. I would say the most average is about four to five days. And mm -hmm. you really shouldn't experience any cramping at all. You know, like a lot of the times on the first day, you will experience some minimal cramping, some light cramping here and there, but it shouldn't be anything that's going to take you out make you have to lay down, stay in bed. You're going to want to look for blood that is essentially pretty bright, pretty bright red. You don't want really dark red. You don't want like stuff that looks thick and clotty and brown. Brown blood is old blood, so it's not that fresh mm period shedding blood that you want. A lot of clots can indicate potential like extra fibrous cysts in there, which don't let that scare you. That's not necessarily a bad thing. A lot of women with estrogen dominance will deal with cysts or just like extra fibrous layers in their uterus and it comes out when it sheds, but that will lead to more pain due to a lot of the extra clotting that's going on. And a lot of women with estrogen dominance will tell me that their periods are extremely heavy, extremely full of clots, and that usually lasts for two to three days. So your heaviest flow should be on your first and second day. And then, you know, the days following, it tends to be pretty light on a quote unquote normal period. And yeah, by... After you after you pass day two, you really shouldn't notice that you're having a period at all other than, mm -hmm. you know, obviously changing your cup or your tampon or your pad or whatever you use. It shouldn't, mm -hmm. shouldn't be an issue at all. And, you know, you shouldn't be dealing with extreme PMS beforehand. You shouldn't be experiencing those headaches. You shouldn't be experiencing sore breasts. You shouldn't have bloating you shouldn't have extreme cravings. You shouldn't have extreme mood swings. I know that, you know, those emotions that pop up like that rage and then the sadness, you shouldn't have extreme levels of that. It's normal to have some mood swings just because of how your hormones drop right before your period. Another thing, I know you mentioned you listen to our crying podcast, but for anybody that hasn't listened to our podcast about crying, um, I talked about how crying actually releases estrogen. Oh. And so a lot of women will tell me like, I just can't stop crying before my period. I'm so emotional. Like I feel like everything makes me want to cry. And a lot of times they have estrogen dominance and that's your body trying to release estrogen some way, mm. somehow. Yeah, that definitely um, rang true for me when I heard that. I was like, I, I've also heard like tears are a detoxing yes. mechanism, yeah. mm -hmm. but to learn that it was an estrogen detoxing yeah. method, I was like, <laughs> yes, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's mm -hmm. it, yeah, I think so too. Um, I wonder if our alien ancestors know about this. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, okay. So, I mean, I know, okay. Think fit, be fit friends. Um, I know I've said that this season is about technology and this and that, and it sounds like we're talking really about just human anatomy and we are, and that's because like, I mean, I think there's just like such intelligence in the body hormones. Think, yeah, yeah. Hormones are a technology all in their own, honestly, yeah. because Speak. they, they just function. <laughs> yeah, they just, their functions are so, they're so technical. And like, I say it all the time, like hormones are the most finicky thing on the planet. Like one wrong little twist and everything's just like, it goes, goes crazy. Uh, there's, yeah, because, and, and especially like, I don't think most people even understand the, the female, the perspective that, it changes almost day to day, not 
exact, you know, week to week for sure. Yeah. That the cycle of hormones change and it is a delicate thing and that it's just, and it's a universal joke that, or um, humility that men's are nice and consistent. They have their waves in and out for the day. Yes. And, you know, scratch your balls and turn over. I don't know. Like, yeah, literally. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 24 hour ask- cycle. Same thing every day. It's mm. got it. It must be so nice. Whereas women, you know, we we have essentially four phases to our cycle. And this is this is something that I love, like at cycle syncing. I'm just so passionate about it. I love it so much. I'm actually working on a cycle syncing boot camp to bring to everybody. So I'm excited for that. But yeah, it's it's four phases to your cycle. Obviously your menstrual phase, which are there witches at this boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know any, but you know, some just send just them my idea. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you have your menstrual phase. Obviously everybody knows that one, but most women aren't familiar with the other three phases. And in my opinion, this should be something that you learn in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back to my, my birth control thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I'd like yeah. to know, cause I'm one of those young women that were, thrown on birth control too young and it um I I, it absolutely impacted my adult body Mm -hmm. and my growing body and my knowledge of how my body worked and dare I say my sexual promiscuity promise promiscuity um I was more promiscuous because of it and I didn't know how to listen to my body because of it so mm-hmm. there's just like multiple problems. So yeah, please teach me. Please teach my 41-year-old <laughs> ass about the other three cycles. <laughs> yeah, so the other three phases are, um, some people call the menstrual phase the first one. Some people call the follicular phase the first one. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I like the follicular phase as the first one because you know it's after everything has shedded, everything's released, and you're kind of like starting fresh again. And so the follicular phase is going to be right after your period ends when your hormones start picking up again, your energy starts picking up again, you'll have more progesterone. Um, you're going to be in a better mood. Your metabolism is actually lower. So this is like when you work out, because that's, that's my favorite thing about cycle singing is you can apply it to your meals. You can apply it to working out. You can apply it to your life, to your work, to your social aspects, and once you like know the basics, it's so easy to just incorporate into your life. And it has such a big impact on your overall hormone cycle. But yeah, your follicular phase is when workout wise, it's actually more conducive for you to be able to lose weight and put on muscle just because of the fact that you don't actually have to eat as much during this phase. Your body is not requiring as much calories because your metabolism is slower and it's going to be in a more optimal fat burning state. And so this is when you'll want to do, start picking up a little bit more intense workouts. You'll do a little bit heavier lifting. And as your follicular phase progresses, it's usually about seven to 10 days, depending on how long your, the length of your total cycle is. And so by the end of your follicular phase, you're going into your ovulatory phase. And this is when your mood is going to be, you know, at that all time high, obviously ovulation. That's when we want to attract a mate. That's when we want to naturally make babies. It's when you're fertile. It's when you can get pregnant. And so like your progesterone will be up and they call that the sexy hormone because, you know, it makes your skin look good. It makes your mood high. I'm about to ovulate. Um, There we go. (laughs) You're, you're glowing. You're glowing. I can see it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you're going to feel more social. This is when your energy is going to be at the highest. So I'm personally not a huge, huge fan of cardio when it comes to hormone balancing, just because it can be a little bit of a stressor, but If you're going to do a more intense workout, these are like the three days to be doing it. Technically, ovulation is only one day, but sperm can live for up to five days. So you do want to be aware, like if you're having sex before this and you're not wanting to have a baby, just be aware of that and use some type of protection there. But yeah, that's when you're going to feel the most social. You'll want to go out and do things and all that kind of stuff. And so that's when I'm like, 
schedule your social outings. If you're dating, this is when the best time to go on a first date because you know you're going to be and just the way your body processes and your brain processes words, it's when you're going to be the most vocal. It's going to be when you're able to talk the best. And so it's the best time to do any type of presentation for work. Like I said, any type of social event, all that kind of stuff. And then after that is your luteal phase. And this one's usually a little bit longer, about nine to 14 days. And um, this is when your progesterone starts declining and estrogen uh, starts to tick up a little bit preparing for your period. And so your mood's going to drop a little bit during the first week. You can still continue to work out pretty decently, but the week before your period, it's actually better to just stick to lighter workouts like Pilates, yoga, not hot yoga, not pull up, not hot Pilates because your body is more sensitive to heat during this time. And so you don't mm-hmm. want to like raise that internal core temperature because during ovulation, your body temperature actually spikes up. And so if you track your basal body temperature for natural birth control or anything like that, you'll already know this, but that's your how you know that you've ovulated and then your body temperature stays up until right before your period, it drops again. Mm -hmm. And so your, your core temperature is naturally higher during this time. So you're going to do your lighter workouts and then just a lot of walking and also sleeping like Mm. the few days before your period. Mm -hmm. Sleep is actually a workout and everyone loves me when I tell them this, (laughs) I'm like, Mm -hmm. take your permission to like, if you are going to spend 30 minutes at the gym that morning, like the couple days before your period, just sleep in instead, because that is actually what your body needs right now. Yeah, that's a, like, so you're looking at two previous collegiate athletes mm-hmm. <laughs> um, who only know one word when you're just talking about all that, which is consistency. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> at, at one point, it's hard to swallow. Point, yeah. Yeah. At yeah. one point, the, the U.S. women's soccer team actually trained their athletes using the cycle syncing method. So Yeah, that same woman works with the team that I work with now. Okay. And Dawn cool. Scott. Yeah. No, that's like a, that, that's a hot topic amongst the ladies on this mm-hmm. team now and that they're getting cycle tested and they're um, wearing aura rings as well, which is new for the for this for. I mean, for the, yeah, the not open up this door, but female athletes, you know, haven't usually had their resources given to them for such things or, (laughs) you know, we're just um, more interested in, you know, being competitive and, and somebody telling us not to be competitive is... Yeah, yeah, again, that's a hard pill to swallow. Once you get it dialed in and yeah. you like actually start paying attention to your body and you realize, okay, hey, like I actually can perform better mm-hmm. during this time. And if I rest and recover during this time, then my performance just gets better and better. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. like you can you can achieve just as much as men can, but you actually can do it in less time which I think is, yeah. is great. Oh, that's such an interesting, another interesting thing, which is like the conditioning of being consistent comes from the man's world. Especially like well, business. There, yeah, there was, there has been literally up until I, gosh, what was it? I think 1983 was the first time a woman was ever in any type of health study. Mm-hmm. And... I saw something recently that, you know, even in the eighties, it was very few women and they certainly, you know, like weren't studying their hormonal cycles and they weren't studying all the hormonal patterns. And I mean, that was the reason that we weren't used for studies was because there's too many variables. So they just use the men because it's a 24 hour cycle. Everything can be the same every single day, but that doesn't, that doesn't apply to us. And so when you use all that information, it just doesn't work the same. Hmm. Do you want to ask about body temperature? A topic near and dear to my heart. Um, <laughs> I just want to you know, acknowledge I really love what, what you're saying with respect to maximizing 
the potential that each phase brings, I mm-hmm. think it's a whole other paradigm shift that allows us to make more gains, not less. And, you know, if there's a championship on a day that you're menstruating, you can still win, right? <laughs> but like, just like work with your training, you know, in advance of that. Um, but the, the body temperature piece is, is huge with uh, I'm very curious about this, very interested about this in particular because this is one thing that we started tracking with our clients as well. And knowing that a lot of people present with temperature in the 97s, like 97.1, 97.3. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that you know we encourage them to look at in particular is a thyroid um how that plays a role. I, I know it's more complex than that, but I would love to hear you talk a little bit more about how uh, our listeners could use body temperature, even the men, like to suss out potential hormonal imbalances or what to ask for for their healthcare provider when they're looking at temperature. Oh, one other thing before I um, would love to hear your responses. I actually had a doctor tell me, I went in and I was saying, oh, my temperature is 97.1. And they're like, oh, don't worry about it. That's totally normal. And I was like, wrong <laughs> you're totally wrong because i'm here f- with a problem so like, <laughs> but um anyway so that's another sort of seed we like to plant or shift the, the listener's attention away from just because something's normal doesn't mean it's healthy or optimal or for your vibrant health so i would love to hear your um, take on body temperature and what we can uh how we can use that as technology and tool to interpret our own bodies signals mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the word normal from doctors is like my, uh, it's my least favorite. <laughs> it's and my least preach. favorite thing. We're all triggered. <laughs> yes. I, I shared a reel yesterday actually. And it was like of a, of a woman. It was like point of view, me at my funeral or my doctor at my funeral. And it was like the woman leaning over and she's like looking into the coffin and being like, Hey, uh, well, your labs came back normal, so I think you might just be uh, faking it or something. I was like, oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. <laughs> because I hear that from everyone. You know, they're like, my doctor says I'm fine. And then I'll interpret them mm. from a functional standpoint. And uh, there was like two low markers from the traditional doctor, and then I find 16. And I'm like, wow. yeah, okay, some, here's some things we can work on, you know. And that's not to scare anyone either, because the the great thing about functional blood work is that you can be very preventative about it. It doesn't mean that something is like totally wrong. You know, like when, when a doctor tells you that something's wrong, like then it's really wrong because it's like majorly off. And so when you look at it functionally, it's, you can be very preventative about things, which is what I love about that. But yeah, back to, back to body temperature, like you said, a low body temperature can be very indicative of a thyroid problem. And actually when I first started tracking mine, I already knew that I was like trending on the scale towards hypothyroidism. And I have since addressed that, but seeing my body temperature when I first started tracking, that was like a big kick in the pants for me because it was extremely low. Like it was in the 96s and Mm -hmm. I was like, and even Yeah, like we're, even we're, we're, yeah, we're just trying to suss out alive and dead clients. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so even when I would ovulate, it would like tick up to ninety seven, but that was that was about it. And so yeah, that was a, like I said, a huge kick in the pants for me. Now we're back on track, normal body temperature. But welcome yeah, to the ninety eight club. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Hot heel 98 plus. Hot heel 98.6. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, yeah. In the in the upper 97s is is somewhat normal here. I'm using air quotes. If you're in your uh, follicular phase, so like af- right after your period when you're, you know, everything's kind of stabled out a little bit more for like a week or so. But, you know, once you've ovulated and into your luteal phase, you definitely want to be like a 98 trending towards 99 for sure. It's like a healthy, healthy body temperature. Um, but I'm a big fan of tracking your temperature, not only to just kind of keep a baseline on where your health and your hormones are at, but I also use it as a form of natural birth control. So there's so many different pieces of technology out there right now to, Mm -hmm. 
track temperature and all that stuff. My personal favorite is the temp drop. Um, I know a lot of people love the aura ring as well. I, I just like the temp drop. I, cause I don't, number one, I didn't want to spend the price tag on the aura ring at the time when I was getting into that. Um, but the temp drop is great because you just, it's an armband essentially. And you just put it on your arm when you go to sleep, you like click it mm -hmm. and it activates and you put it on your arm and you just wear it overnight. And it's great because a lot of the original devices, like the Daisy thermometer was one of the very first ones that came out. There's a couple other thermometer devices and some people will just use a regular thermometer, but you take that when you wake up, but you have to pretty much do it at the same time every day. And you have to do it immediately when you open your eyes. And so hmm. If you're not staying on top of that every single day, it can get a little tricky. And so what I like about the temp drop and then, of course, also the aura ring and devices like that is the temp drop tracks continuously all night long. So it's great for like postpartum moms or people, moms that are breastfeeding, like nurses that maybe work at night. And so they sleep during the day. And so their schedule's a little off. If you, you know, if you wake up multiple times during the night, it continuously tracks. Whereas like, if you just take your temperature in the morning, it's, it's not taking into account all of those interruptions that might've happened during the night. Um, yeah, well, I am satisfied with those answers. I like all that info and just having more, I don't know, just what is it? Robust information for our clients and for my own um probably not going to take my temperature as soon as i open my eyes i'm <laughs> I, I i wear a device every once in a while basically is how i yeah because i'm I not going to wear it I, every night yeah yeah the temp drop it i guess it for me it didn't take that long to get used to i do have some people that are like i always forget to put it on and so those people might do better with something like the aura ring where you just leave it on but they're I, not yeah. vibrant health enthusiasts. They're just <laughs> meh health enthusiasts. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if if preventing pregnancy is important to you, or yeah. even you know, just like tracking your ovulation if you're wanting to have a baby, it that is really really good because it will also like you connect it to their app and it'll predict your ovulation like when it's coming up, um, if you don't want to be like super calculated with tracking it on your own. And then it'll also, you know, like predict when your period is coming. So hmm. it's, it's a helpful device and it's not incredibly expensive. I think it's, I think it's under $140. Mm -hmm. So unlike the aura ring, it's mm -hmm. relatively budget friendly. Yeah. And that was, you know, one of the goals of this whole season was to, you know, talk to people who know what they're doing and they're well educated on these matters and like what's important to them. So, you know, wh what's important to you for in, in this section of your health care closet tool shed? <laughs> um, liver support, mm -hmm. I think for me personally, is the most important thing. I think you had asked, and I don't know if I answered this at the very beginning <laughs> of like, <laughs> what's something that you like start people out with. And it's almost, almost all of my clients, I will start them on some type of drainage or liver support just mm -hmm. because it is crucial for all types of hormones because your drainage is, you know, everything from the obvious, like your colon, your bowel movements, your liver to your lymphatic system and hormones and toxins can hang out in all of those. So you really want to be supporting all of that so your hormones can process and eliminate properly. So mm. liver support, I think, is the biggest one for me personally. Like I said, it's, it is going to be different for everyone, but I do think almost anyone with a hormone issue can benefit from staying on top of liver support. So mm. I love castor oil packs. I love... Mm -hmm. Tudka as a supplement, mm -hmm. it's a mm -hmm. star. Tudka is a star. And just staying on top of your sweating, staying mm -hmm. on top of your hydration, making sure that your body is just optimal for moving all of that out. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you know, if three of the things that you just said are so cheap, you know, um, mm -hmm. 
I, I'm a I'm a big Tudka fan too. It's one of the more expensive things I buy as far as supplements go, but it's definitely- It is, but yeah, yeah usually- it's amazing. One, yeah, one capsule is enough for most people. Mm. And I mean, one bottle is a two month supply. So if you just use yeah. one capsule a day, it's, it's not super expensive, but it is yeah. a little bit more uh, the initial price tag. Yeah. Yeah, and castor oil packs. I mean, yeah, they try to like package them all fancy and cute, but it doesn't matter. It's not <laughs> my, cute. my mom made my <laughs> castor oil yeah. pack, and so Aww. yeah, <laughs> I yeah. just um, yeah, like when I got mine, I I got a Queen of Thrones one. It gave mm-hmm. me all these instructions of how to take care of it. I was like, nah. <laughs> like, this thing is basically a sock, a big old sock. Thank you. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, replace it every six months. I'm like, no, <laughs> we're not doing that. Um, yeah, I love my castor oil packs. My, so, yeah. yeah, but I have to like hide it from Yusuf because he's so clean. He's like mm-hmm. a, he's a, a guy that has to have everything like, you know, and the castor oil packs are like, I, I yeah, I turn into a messy toddler basically <laughs> if I'm not already, <laughs> but, not, but they are amazing. Like, oh my yes. God, I, yeah, yeah. they help me relax a lot mm-hmm. and I don't know if why. You're, yeah. If you're waking up in the middle of the night between mm. like one to three, one to four, that's a big sign that your liver is full of toxins. Mm, yeah. mm. And castor oil packs majorly support that. Almost everyone that tries them, like wearing them overnight, will notice an immediate difference mm-hmm. with just staying asleep at night. And if they do wake up, I'll tell them like, put a little more castor oil on, just like rub that in there. If you have a red light, put the red light on there for a few minutes, they'll yeah. sleep like a baby. Yeah, I rub it on my um, midsection before I sauna too. Sometimes, yeah, like that. Yeah, that's great too. Um, you can also do it on your thyroid as well if you I've do have that. a thyroid yeah. problem. Um, and again, combined with the red light is great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question. Do you want to do the honors? We would love to know what is your favorite snack. My favorite snack. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is a good question. I'm going to say right now, probably watermelon. Mm. I am oh. just obsessed with watermelon. <laughs> watermelon fan club over here too. Yes. That's what yeah. Um, yeah. It's great for my kidneys. It's great for hydration. It's just, it tastes delicious. And yeah. Where I've heard that eat. Yeah. We're really close to Mexico, so we get really good watermelons from Mexico. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm, definitely. I love that about Texas. Right yeah. Yeah. I've heard that, like, eating your hydration is actually more compatible anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. Watermelon has a lot of – it has a lot of electrolytes in it that people don't realize. Yeah. I've been snacking – well, I've been on the – we've got the raw milk yogurt, which just – yeah, which makes me very happy. Um, with I will say, berries. like a recent, yeah. uh, also a recent obsession is the new Siete Puffs. If you have not tried oh, their new Siete. lentil puffs, the queso mm. ones, and the chili lime, those are amazing. Haven't gone down that road. On the list. <laughs> on the list. Wow. Down the list. Hot tips coming in they, they from Hot Heel Girl 98.6. Um, all right. Well, tell uh, everybody where to find you and anything special you have going on that you're offering. So you can find me at Emily Joy Wellness pretty much everywhere. I am the most active on Instagram and YouTube. You can also find me on my website and that has all the links to like work with me, uh, this, that, whatever. If you want to see client reviews, they are also on there. Um, right now, like I did mention earlier, I'm working on the cycle syncing camp. I don't have a definite date for that yet, but it will be coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. And you can also work with me one-on-one. I love my one-on-one clients. I love working one-on-one it's just so fun to just dive in and, you know, figure out what's going on and build those personalized protocols and yeah, get everything back in balance. So you can find that on my website as well. And I do offer blood work interpretations as well. 
if you're interested in that, those are just like one-offs if you don't want to do a full protocol. I think we could send some people your way <laughs> yeah. pretty quick, I've actually. I've already got a few in mind. Yeah, I know. That's like yeah, a nice I, I do, idea, actually. Um, athletes do actually like that, you know, just like to see if there's anything little going on that they can tweak, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it It is not a protocol. Like legally, I cannot do a protocol with that, but I will give you all the notes of what I find and like suggestions and tips. And so it's just Mm. a nice review and then you'll have the review document as well. Um, the protocol only comes, you know, with my coaching packages. Mm. And then of course I will also be offering the MBSR sessions one off as well, as soon as I'm certified in that. Okay. Put, yeah, put me on that list. Um, (laughs) fabulous. Well, um, thank you so much. And I think this was a really fruitful episode of Think Fit, Be Fit. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Angela. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast network. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. If you're interested in further resources, check out or visit our website, thinkfitbefitpodcast.com.